Now that UCLA's roster is sort of coming into shape, what's it actually going to look like on the court? Max and I will debate this here on Locked On UCLA today. Let's get ready, folks. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On UCLA podcast. It's Zach Anderson, Jochsheimer, alongside Max Kelton once again here. Thanks for making this your first listen. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe over there as well. Download wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, get all the alerts, and stay tuned. And thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. Become an everyday listener of the podcast. You won't want to miss it. We're going to start off with hoops today, Max. And what does this roster look like? We've kind of gotten a full sense for the moment. While there still could be a couple of late teases and changes, even with a Clark coming back or a Tiger or someone else, you know, we might touch on him later. But, you know, for the most part, it looks like all the Bruins, which we would have suspected other than Singleton, all jump for the draft. Singleton running out of eligibility. And now the Bruins will have a new look on the court led by probably a lot of youth and a lot of new faces next year. And how will this actually gel and turn into to a successful team? I think it starts with Elon Feeble and the newcomers and learning this offense. You talk about a guy like Stefanovic. He's going to play a big role. He's going to be a, a, a big shooter of this team, somebody that they'll run the offense through. But, um, you know, if it it starts with these guys, but they're, they're nothing without Mick Cronin. And Cronin has to be able to assimilate them into the culture that he's built in Westwood. So, you know, I think that's the focus during this offseason, trying to assimilate a new culture with these guys who haven't been here in a, a, basically a total rebuild after last week's departure of a few key, key, piece, key pieces on this team. Excuse me. Yeah, what's interesting is – It's not like this team was great on offense last year. They were efficient, and all the analytics drew to that. But it's because they got so many easy buckets. Their defense would turn into offense. Singleton was so electric from three. And then everybody else would kind of help with the scoring with some efficient buckets. So I think maybe the analytics are a little deceiving as to how dominant their offense was last year, although you could debate me and think I'm wrong. But I do think next year, especially at the beginning, in my perspective, might be a a step back offensively. It should be a step back offensively with a lot of unknowns heading into next year. It's who's going to be that shooter? Well, we think it's Stefanovic. We expect it to be Stefanovic, but is he going to shoot at that 40 plus percent clip that Singleton was a year ago? Can he go and get more shots and not shoot under 40% from the field from a year ago? That's your leading lethal shooter. And Elon Fible has had some, you know, some accolades. I was reading on 24 seven sports. how they wrote up a piece about his, what he brings to UCLA. And one of the things that drew me to that piece was what I saw. All right, he can shoot, but we have to see what it's like at the college level. But for Feeble, he was given accolades as to Jalen Clark esque defensive tenacious abilities. And I was like, that's interesting. So for this team, I think initially They'll struggle on offense. I'm not sure what their identity will be. I'm not sure who Mick Cronin will choose to run the offense. So it's one thing to have someone go with Tiger Campbell at the basketball, but who do they run it through, right? It's one thing if Andrews or Mack or McClendon, they bring the ball up. But who is that guy that's going to get the basketball 
like UCLA has each and every year and play that ISO style basketball, which they tend to do in the Mick Cronin system, who's going to get those one-on-one shots? Initially, I think Stefanovic should have a 1A look at it. Fiblay could. Andrews could get some shots. Depending on if and when Ademara comes to UCLA, a big if, he's leaning towards it. He's practically on the verge of coming to the U.S. and all but needing to become a UCLA Bruin, but that's still an if and a win. He could be a big lob it to the post. It's just who does this ball go to? You know, I I think it starts with Stefanovic just because of the experience. This is a very young team, especially uh, in its backcourt, right? And Fiblay is going to add some athleticism, no doubt about it. He's a six five combo guard. He can play both, you know, the small forward and that shooting guard spot. He might even be able to distribute a little bit, but I think it's his defense that highlights his capabilities and he's young too. He's not even 18. He turns 18 in June. So I wanted to be at the start of the season to beat that dude. I think Stefanovic, he's getting into his third year. He's a guy that shoots about 36% from deep. He can knock him down from outside. I think he could be the go-to early on in the season, but this is a team that's going to have to click and then find out who they like to run their offense through. And I'm, I'm not quite sure that even Mick Cronin knows um, I wouldn't be surprised to see some serious minutes, uh, an escalation of what to expect out of Dylan Andrews. That young man is going to have a new role on this team, provided that, you know, he he gets that starting role over Sebastian Mack. And I think that Mack is going to be a key contributor. But, you know, there are so many questions surrounding the guards on this team. Frankly, I'm not even sure what to expect in the post as well. So, you know, it's it's just a total rebuild, a very new squad, and there's just so there's so much surrounding it that there's so many questions, comments. I don't know about concerns, but questions and comments, no doubt. And we can't forget Abramo Zonk is still on the roster. I believe he's about to be a 22-year-old sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. He's a 21-year-old freshman, kind of doing the Euro Pro thing, moving over to the, the U.S. and going college route. A little different compared to Feeble, who's yet to turn 18. One wonders how much and how big of a role Zonka can play getting a year under the system. And will he have a, a, a breakout year? That could be something that we didn't really see in this in his first year at UCLA. Although you look at who's gone or who's going to be gone or who might be gone. You've got top the top six or five of the six guys for UCLA who scored, played, rebounded, assisted, stole, passes, everything. Most of them, or who block shots, are already gone or have committed to go play in the NBA. And then there's one. Then there's one, Max, Adam Bono. He is the big question mark as to what does this mean? Is he going to come back? Could they play a double big system if Mara signs? Well, we're going to try and talk about that after I tell you about FanDuel. Because FanDuel Sportsbook is the number one sportsbook in America. It's perfect because you've got so many playoffs going on right now. You've got America's pastime coming back. Yeah, we're talking baseball. Everything is perfect to get in on the action. And if you're a new customer, this is a perfect time to get in on the action with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Get to $1,000 back in bonus bets. You can go from home runs, op- get the over on strikeouts, your favorite matchups of the day. Just look it up on FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball and a sports betting partner with us here at Locked On. So Zach and Max back with you guys here 
on the Locked On UCLA podcast segment two. As you know, I teased, hey, a Dem Bona, a Dem, a Dem Bona. He's a big question mark. He's kind of that last remaining piece as to will he leave, test the waters, or will he stay? And I know Clark and Tiger Campbell and uh, generally all the other Bruins can still come back, right? Theoretically, they all can come back. I mean, we don't know if they've signed agents yet, but Amari Bailey and his mother made it clear we're going to the next step. Jaime Haka said, I'm play- I've am played my four years. If there wasn't a COVID year, I wouldn't even have another year of eligibility. He's going to the NBA. Tiger and Jalen, those are separate conversations. But what we're talking about here, Max, is how we don't necessarily know the severity of the shoulder soreness, injury, rehabilitation for a Dembona that kept him out of the Gonzaga game. And if we think he was ready even before that to make an NBA leap. Well, I think that he's he's capable. And scouts really love young players who can show. Well, it looks like we lost Max there. So in the midst of this, we'll just keep it right here. He got disconnected. And we'll keep it right here on the Locked On UCLA podcast. So, all right. You know, you deal with production issues. Sometimes guys get cut off. But to really continue his point, for Adem Bona, was he actually, was he actually, you know, ready for the NBA? Is that actually something he was ready to do? To be quite honest, in my humble opinion, I think he needed another year. I could even go forward and say I think Amari Bailey needed another year. But sometimes the month of March is the biggest help in terms of growing draft stock for players. And for Amari Bailey, he decided to use his draft stock and just catapult it into an NBA draft combine scenario and go check out his you know abilities in the, the next level. For the likes of Adem Bona, the difference for him is he, I think, needed a little bit more seasoning in terms of his offensive game. Defensively, we saw why he was the Pac-12 freshman of the year, but the problem is he still got in a lot of foul trouble. So he's got the NBA-style athleticism. He's got the verticality. He's got the leaps. He's got the hops. He's got that body that's physical enough to help with the likes of being NBA-ready, but is he actually ready with his skill set yet here on the likes of the good old of the NBA draft? And now we're welcomed back by Max Kelton. We lost him for a minute there, but you know, I was telling the, the audience here, Max, you know, that one, your internet sucks too. I'm just kidding. But two, <laughs> you're not we wrong. Talking, it's all good. But two, I was saying Adem Bona, you know, he's got the athleticism, he's got the the intangibles, right? But I'm not sure if he's ready with honing in that skill set. Would you agree with that point, Max? Or would you say, you know, he's actually ready and he should just go and rehabilitate like a Jalen Clark at the pro level? Well, well, first, folks, let me please apologize for my internet and for my computer crashing, but I'm glad we were able to get right back up to it. Um, I don't know if he's he's totally ready, but there's seriously some promise uh, based on what I'm hearing from scouts, you know, that – that this kid is ready to compete at the next level. Everything I'm reading says that, you know, hey, had that shoulder injury not conspired toward the end of the year, then he would, would be, I think, for a lot of folks, on, on a, a late, late first rounder on their draft board. So um, I, I think that he's capable of competing at the next level, but I think that that injury certainly does hinder his draft, uh, his draft ceiling, maybe. And if he does return, maybe a little different than Jalen Clark, a guy who was a, a national defensive player of the year honoree, 
Um, you know, Clark can't improve his draft stock too much more by coming back one season, uh, whereas Bona certainly could. Bona has the potential to be a lottery pick if he shows up the you know the way that we we think we he's capable of this next season. So I think it makes sense for Bona to return, but he's got all the pieces to to succeed at the next level, and I think that it's it's pretty clear based on what you know the scouts are saying about him heading into the NBA draft. And the other thing is, if he returns, and if UCLA is able to, it's looking likely, but it hasn't happened, and until it does, it can't be official. A uh, Demar committing to UCLA and becoming an official UCLA Bruin, you could have a 7-3 and a 6-10 big man on the floor. They could, dare I say it, look a little bit like Arizona with two big men down low. One, you know, a little stronger, a little the other one a little thinner. You could have a big wing with Stefanovic at the three. You could even, dare I say, what, have Andrews at the two or the one, depending on which way you want it. And maybe Zonko, you can go McClendon, you can go Mack. And there's maybe still another piece or two to fill with scholarships in the transfer portal. But you could have a very big lineup, even bigger than last year's team, if Mick Cronin wants to go that route, considering it seems like over his tenure, and he likes to have bigger wings, but undersized bigs. At least that's what he's had when you had Cody Riley playing the five, right? And while Dembono was good, you know, he can always stay on the floor. So you'd almost have undersized bigs sometimes going against the big posts across the country. I think you're spot on there, and it's 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 going to be different. I think that's what makes good coaches great coaches when they can adjust year to year and they can maneuver their system to fit their personnel. So last year, you know, while you had a, a few forwards, like a forward like Jaime Hawkes, who was able to command the game, it's just not what you're going to see in this this team this year. You're going to see just a different game plan, a different mindset for this group. Um, if I were to go through what what I would expect based on the the answers we've seen during this offseason, what the starting lineup looks like next year, I think it'll have to do with Sebastian Mack um, and and Dylan Andrews as the, at the one two. Feeble could feasibly be in in the three, but I actually think that he's you know. I think that he'll he'll stay in the three, um, Stefanovic in a four, going short, and then I'm hoping it, it's a Demara or a Dembona in the five. But I, I actually really like the idea of a twin tower uh, defense, having two you know massive guys in the post. And by the way, with Bona, it's his efficiency that makes him so good. This team could be a really efficient group that limits on the defensive end and could have a chance to go far in not only the Pac-12 but the national tournament. You just got to make sure that the new pieces can click together the same way the old pieces did. And to really finish the point there, in terms of the size, with Nuba coming back and with Etienne, you could have a lot more depth in your post than you did a year ago if Mara decides to come and if Bona decides to stay. You could have uh, a lot of size. You could have a lot of different skill sets. You could have some older players backing up some of the younger starters, potentially, if Bona comes back. If he doesn't, then you kind of have – almost a similar like a similar rotation where maybe even Nuba starts and depending on how Mars Mars development is, does he come off the bench? All those things. Those are all things to speculate in the future, but I don't think we get a true indication until Bona makes his decision one way or the other to test the draft waters or to stay and say, I'm not healthy enough and see how that plays out. That's going to do it for our basketball talk today because Hey, these guys still got to make decisions. Are they staying? Are they leaving? Some have chosen one way, and you could still take a step back and come back. But until that happens, UCLA has some scholarships to fill. And as we did last week, we talked 
football and then everything broke broke down basketball wise. So we'll see how all the breaking news happens. And I think the deadline to declare is April 23rd, right, Max, for the NBA draft? April 23rd. Yep, that's what that's what we've read. Yeah, so it's coming up is the deadline to declare for the NBA draft for all the players. In the meantime, we're going to cruise on here with Locked On UCLA. We're going to talk some UCLA softball. So, Max, I know you you broadcast some UCLA games, volleyball, softball, maybe even a baseball game here or two. I could be wrong at that. But you've seen this softball team in person. We've talked about it on this. I didn't talk about them yesterday on the Monday podcast, but this team has got some players getting some accolades internationally, I believe. They are continuing to roll and beat opponents, and I think they just got another sweep, and they are red hot getting into the near end part of the season. I mean, this team is absolutely ridiculous. Just it's hitting is highlighted, you know, and, and you could, you could talk about the pitching all you want, how good, um, how good this team has been top to bottom is just so, so impressive. But Maya Brady is an absolute star. She earned more PAC 12 athletes this past week. It's fourth career PAC 12 player of the week honor. She's the seventh Bruin to do that on the same list as associate head coach Lisa Fernandez. You know, she Brady is just one of those players who continues to impress four straight games with a home run. First player to do that since 2013. She's just one of those players that every time she steps up to the plate, you get a little sparkle, a little twinkle in your eye that something special could happen. It's one of those players that you don't want to miss a pitch. She's been magnificent. Um, and this team was just on a scoring tear this last week against Arizona. You talk about a midweek at Long Beach on Wednesday, and then I'm calling all three on this series against ASU this weekend uh, back at Easton. So it it should really be you know an exciting time to be a Bruin fan for the softball team heading into the final stretch of the season. Uh, 39 wins. They keep on cruising. Number two team in the nation. I, there's not much more to say. They are just magnificent. Yeah, the rest of the season looks like it's follows. Weekends against ASU at home. You've got at Utah, which is their final Pac-12 series. And then the first weekend of May, they just have a, a smattering of games. They've got one against LMU and then one against San Diego State because they don't actually have a series the last weekend of the regular season. And then they head out back to Tucson to Helen Brand Memorial Stadium to have the first ever Pac-12 softball tournament and then the big NCAA tournament following that with Selection Sunday, I believe, being or whatever Selection Day is. I think it's May 14th. I think it's Mother's Day. It might actually, if it's that day or not, but that's when either Mother's Day or the, the Monday after on May 15th. So that's when we get to know what their bracket looks like and how it all pans out if UCLA is meant to be the dream team this year and end the run of dominance by the Sooners. Well, I think they have the pieces and Megan Faramo is just pitching, you know, some of her best ball that we've seen her, Maya Brady and Ali Carda, Car- uh, Carda, excuse me. Um, they are each, they were each named to the U S women's national team roster for the world baseball, softball confederation world cup in Dublin in July. Um, something exciting, you know, and just an, it's, it's another accolade for a, a Bruins team that has been so special. One thing I want to point out is how good Charlize Palacios has been. Uh, Palacios, the transfer, uh, I, she, I think she came from Arizona. Um, so this was this was a let me let me double check on that real quick. Um, and didn't she hit a game winning yes. home run at the end of one of those games? 
Yeah, she did. I mean, so so this was yeah, this this is this was a revenge game for her and maybe not revenge because they treated her well there. She was a first team all pack pack 12 selection last last couple of years. You know, but not only that, you know, she was playing against her former team and any time that happens, you play with the chip on your shoulder. Hit a go ahead three run shot um in the seventh to rally against this Arizona team. They were down Four to three, they won eight to four. I mean, it just doesn't get more storybook than that. What a great addition Palacios has been to just be that battery behind the plate. A day-to-day catcher who's so good on both sides of the ball. Uh, and it just it shows Megan Faramo's trust in that young lady. You got to love it. You got to love it. And it's just everything is clicking at the right time for this team. And then we always like to say Aaliyah Jordan hitting 433, you know, Old faithful right there for UCLA. And then Palacios, yeah, it's nice to have a catcher that's hitting 311, nine home runs, I think tied for third on the team with home runs. And, of course, one of the latest clutch home runs for the Bruins late in the game this year, which they've needed some late-game magic. A lot of that happened earlier in the year. But against Arizona, you have the the former Wildcat coming through and smacking a three-run dinger in the seventh inning to put the Bruins ahead against the Cats. And I think in game two of that series – for a, you know, as you mentioned, a storybook. It's one thing to leave a program, and then you come back to their place and say, "Yeah, I'm still a baller, right?" It's it, it's just kind of fun when you see players go back for one reason or another, whether it's mutual or not. Maybe it's better opportunity. She goes back and hits the big home run. But it's nice to see UCLA softball 39 and four, 16 and one at home. So if the Bruins lose this weekend when Max is on the call, we know it was his fault because they only have one loss at home. And wait, you did you call that loss, Max, or no? I did. I, I was there. It was the it was the home conference opener against number ten Washington, number eight in some polls. They were a really good team, but you got to just appreciate the resiliency from that Bruin team to bounce back at home and take the next two. They haven't lost a series um, this season, you know, and and they've just been they've been a really solid group. Uh, last six games, by the way, this is how good the bats have been. Sixteen home runs over those last six games. They've had two home runs or more in each of those last six games. Um, Megan Grant has just been maybe the freshman of the year in the country. Uh, she had two home runs in the season finale against Arizona, a 14-run trouncing. It's just it, – it's top to bottom, this team is is so impressive because of it, it's a new player who can show up day to day. You know, we talked about Jordan Woolery last week and Aliyah Jordan who showed up. Uh, Maya Brady can be that force every time she steps up to the plate. Um, and then Megan Grant, it's two – it, it, it's it's two of these freshmen, two of these seniors, and then the pieces in between that shine. And it, not only is it this year and and the the, pro, the promise from this team that has been so good, but it, it gives you hope for what's to come for this program too. It's just there's no sign in stopping the Bruins heading into the end of Pac-12 play. You gotta imagine they'll try and finish on a hot streak, but I, I don't see anything left for this team. Yeah, this team is surging, ready, and prepared for a clash potentially in Oklahoma City against the Sooners, and dare I say, the, the you know o- uh, Oklahoma State as well. So we'll see how those two things pan out, if that's meant to be, or if it's a, a crazy year. And we don't know if it's a champion of number one or number two this year. But the Bruins seem headed in the right direction and ready for a rematch, which we all hope is against Oklahoma in the championship series. So for Max Kelton, I'm Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer saying so long 
from the Locked On UCLA podcast. Thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen, wherever you watch. Thank you for your support, and become an everyday listener because I see you in the comments. Maybe we might talk a little bit men's volleyball, and maybe we'll talk some other sports too. And we'll always keep everything up to date with UCLA football. Chip Kelly even teasing. He hasn't even named a starter. Well, who is going to be the starter? We'll talk about all that this week. And UCLA basketball, any news that breaks, any ideas we got, we will throw them your way and make sure it's great content. Thanks for tuning in. Hands up, UCLA fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.